Watch out. Y'all may be seated. Praise God. We uh, purposely didn't receive communion earlier. We want to welcome the uh, Indianapolis campus. So we purposely did not receive communion. Give me some light in the house. Thank you. And uh, we're going to uh, receive communion a little bit later. Um, and uh, starting this week, uh, we're going to be receiving communion every week. Starting, when did I say starting when? Did I say starting next week? Oh, starting, I was going to say, starting today. And we typically do it on the first Sunday. Um, and so uh, my pastor, Pastor Joseph Prince, uh, I got an opportunity, that's where I was last week, got, a, got an opportunity to, to hear him at Lakewood. Amen. Uh, for for three, uh, three services. He taught on, um, on his new book, and, and which is about communion. And so, uh, and I've been, he's been teaching this for 20 years. And I've been listening to his messages over and over. And since I got turned on to Grace, uh, and I, I consider Joseph Prince as my pastor, and since, since I, I've been turned on to Grace, I've seen communion in a, a totally different light. Um, and, and I've been getting revelation on it, but now I've got, I've got a, a fuller revelation, a, a deeper revelation, a greater revelation of it uh, since I heard him last weekend uh, speak on it and something just registered. And I'm not just quick just because I hear something and I know that, um, that, that Pastor Prince and his church, New Creation Church in Singapore, they have communion every week. Well, um, I've got to get a revelation of it for myself. Not that there's no law or rule that you have to do it every week. Uh, but I just didn't want to do something just because he was doing it. Now uh, I've got a, something just registered. It just clicked. Praise God. And I had a great time in, in Houston. I, um, I got a little disappointed because in, in between the services on Sunday, um, I mean, I had great seats Saturday night. I was like front and center. And uh, they took me to the second, I was on the second row, and then they promoted me to the first row. And then, because uh, of my good friend Johnny, who is the right-hand man of Joel, and Joel's a friend. And, and so uh, Johnny texted me, it's like, where are you? And I told him where I was, and then somebody got me, putting me on the front row. Next next day, I was sitting on the second row right behind, behind Joel, and I got a chance to greet Joel. In between the services, I was taking care of things because I was staying an extra day, and I was making some arrangements concerning my hotel. And then I got a text. Oh, I got a call, but I missed the call. But Joel wanted me to come back in between the services. I got really got a chance to to uh, speak with Pastor Prince in between the services, but I missed the call. So uh, it's like, oh man, Mr. Tech, and I can't even answer the phone. Praise God. But it, it's all, all, all is well. I mean, the most important thing is I received that powerful word. And, and so I'm going I'm to bring it to you. I don't know how long it's going to take me. I'm, I, I mean, it's really um, a powerful revelation of, uh, about really the power of communion. 
and I've been receiving communion for the last few days. Uh, Carl has been doing the same thing, and, and it's really, uh, I, I believe you're going to get revelation as you hear. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So, but before that, um, an appetizer. Isaiah chapter 60, about the times that we're living in today. It's important that you understand um, what's going on in the world. And I tell you what, God is doing some wonderful things. I mean, God is doing some wonderful, wonderful things. I am encouraged about what I see. And uh, But if you're looking at the wrong things, you could be discouraged. You could lose heart. But look at the right things. God is um, doing some powerful things on the earth. Um, and if you're spiritually minded, you can see it. So, in Isaiah chapter 60, let me get over here to the presentation here, praise God. Um, if you have the app, while I'm heading over here, um, you can catch the notes. The notes are keyed up for you. Um, and there's space for you to take notes. If you, you can go to the app store if you have Android or Apple, we don't discriminate. Um, praise the Lord. And uh, you can look for Summit Church, Indiana, and you can see you can see the notes. All right. Isaiah chapter 60 is not coming up for me right now. but Okay, begin in verse 1. Um, if you can take that slide over to Isaiah 60. All right. Arise, shine. For your light has come. Somebody, somebody wrote that. Uh, somebody in the secular world said that it's talked about the best of times and the worst of times. So that's that's what's happening right now. We're in the best of times and the worst of times. What do I mean? Well, it's going to be darker and darker in the earth. The world's going to get darker and darker. But the good news is, the church will be brighter and brighter. We have an opportunity to be seen. Because the darker it is, when, when the light shines, you'll be able to see it very, very clearly. Amen? So don't be moved by what you hear, by what you see on the news. And fall into this uh, talking like the world talks, like there's no hope. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Everybody say, my light has come. Now, now, even though this is in the Old Testament, this is, re this is really talking about um, the time that we're living in today. The glory of the Lord. This is a prophecy of the day that um, you and I are living in today. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory, the next verse, please. I, I'm, I'm behind here because my, uh, I'm not able to control it. I'm controlling it, but it's not moving for me. Praise God. We're going to get past these technical difficulties today. <laughs> okay. Darkness should come, cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. 
I mean, you know that people are, are saying all kind of crazy things against God, against the Bible, against the church. People are getting deeper and deeper in darkness. But, good news, the Lord will arise over you. So you, you got to make sure that you're focusing on the right things, okay? Focus on what God is doing. And, and speak what God says over your life. People can be talking about the, I mean, you can hear news about a financial downturn. I don't care if they talk about um, some kind of depression or, or we might fall into another depression or whatever you hear. And they talk about layoffs on the job or whatever. Understand who your source is. God covers you and God takes care of you. The Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, next verse, the Gentiles shall come to your light. Who's the, the Gentiles? That, that, that's people uh, without God. See, there, there's only three kinds of people. There's the Jews, there's the Gentiles, and there's the church. Now, Gentiles are non-Jews. The church are comprised of Jews and Gentiles who come to the Lord. Okay. So this is not talking about us. It's talking about uh, uh, the world is going to come to, where are they going to come? To your light. You know the believers call light? In 2 Corinthians uh, 6, it says, what fellowship has light with darkness? We're called light. We're, we're, we're the children of light. People are going to come to our light. See, when it's dark, you turn the light on. Where people want people want to go to where there's light. And, and, and kings, we're going to be able to speak to kings. And right now, you know, people think the church is a joke. But kings are going to come to the to the brightness of, of your rising. Thank you, Lord. The church is rising up. Thank you for those few amens. So, so, so the next verse says, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Thank you, Jesus. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with what? Joy. See, there's no, no reason to be uh, depressed. Because when you see what God is doing, you rejoice. Watch. Because why, why are you going to rejoice? Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the sinners laid up for the righteous. Proverbs. The wealth of the Gentile shall come to you. Whoa! Oh. Say the wealth of the of the wicked will come to me. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Now, uh, let's look at in, in, the, um, in the Old Testament, this is like the, um, this last plague, okay, um, right before, uh, the, right, this, is, this is like the plague of darkness. And uh, let's head over to uh, Exodus chapter chapter 10 and verse 22. And it says, Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was thick darkness in the land of Egypt for three days. Now, this is a supernatural darkness because you might say, well, how come, why, why, didn't, why didn't they just turn the light on? Why do, I mean, they didn't have lights like we do, but why, why didn't they just, just cause some, some light? Because this was a supernatural darkness. Okay? And so this is right before this last, this, right, this is the, the last plague, right before the death of the firstborn. Now, they couldn't create their own light because this was a supernatural darkness that came on. Thick darkness for three days. Thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another. That's some pretty deep darkness. Nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all but, but I say but, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwelling. See, that's a parallel of what's happening today. We will have light, praise God, no matter what. Thank you, Lord. Now, um, that's the appetizer for today. Now we're going to talk about we're going to talk about communion and, um, and then the power of communion. We are living in a, in a earth um, that has been, was, has been cursed in a garden. We're living in a fallen world. Now, partaking of communion and getting the revelation of communion is going to bring supernatural health, wellness, wholeness in your body. And one of the things I want to want to focus on is this trust. Trust in Jesus for your health and healing. Don't trust in anything the world has because we're living in a fallen world. I mean, you, you got organic foods and people, a lot of emphasis on eating right and exercising, which it's, it's awesome. I eat organic foods. Um, I, 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 I try to eat right. And I believe in eating right. I mean, my, my wife's a fitness instructor, and, and she's got a lot of information. Um, but the thing is, and, 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 and all of that is good. Eat the best, best you can. Um, exercise, okay? But don't trust in that. Because we live in a fallen world. The world has been, been, is subject to decay and is in the process of decaying all the time. 
no, ma no matter what you do. The nutritional value in food today is not the same as it was in yesteryear. And that's because the, the, uh, the people didn't even talk about organic stuff years, years and years ago. The food was just, it was just good food. It's not that way anymore. And, and, and the reason is, is because we live in a fallen world. I, I know people talk about, about, about recycling, and we have a recycling trash can and all that kind of stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. But the, the earth is not going to last forever. And see, a lot, a lot of people that are talking about trying to save the, the earth and keep it around, you know, for our children's children and their children and so forth and so forth. But the truth is, see, they're operating under a premise that the world is going to be around forever. We need to preserve it. We need, because earth's resources is depleting. God knows how much resources are on the earth. Okay? And it's, it's, it, we don't have to be concerned about all of that. The Bible says we're going to have, God's going to roll this thing up. And we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. And that's the truth. Okay? The only, only thing that, that's holding Jesus back. Now, Jesus is coming again. Okay? And so the only thing that's holding Jesus back from coming is, is that the husbandman, the father, is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And, and that is souls, people coming to the Lord. And the Bible says he has long patience for it. Not, he's not willing... This is the reason why Jesus doesn't come back right now. He's not willing that anybody should perish. We'll all come to repentance. See, so this earth will last uh, as long as it needs to last. There, there's nothing we're going to do to make the earth last forever because there's not. Against uh, Romans 8 and verse Against this will, in the meantime, we'll just uh, rely on your help, Michelle, right? Praise God. Against this will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, yeah. all right, we're good now. The creation looks forward, so it looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from what? Death and decay. So we're looking forward to a day when um, when, when it, talking about the, the creation, the earth will join God's children that's us in glorious freedom from this death and decay that's on the earth. So the earth is subject to death and decay. And people are seeing it. That's why they're, they're, they're freaking out. Oh, oh man, we've got to save the earth. No, don't fall into that. Praise God. 
Because we're going to get one day, we're going to get a new heaven and a new earth. See, that's the truth. See, nobody talks about that. See, if you, if you understand that, if, if, if you believe right, then you're going you're gonna to live right. Amen? You're going you're gonna to function and operate from God's word, from, from God's perspective, not from a world's perspective. Thank you, Lord. For we know that all creation has been groaning. See, this, the, the, the creation, including the earth, animals, the trees, they've been groaning. Plants, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to what? Pre the present time. Okay, so eat the best you can, but don't trust in your eating, don't trust in your exercise. I'm telling you, there's people that have done those things and come down with some kind of disease and take them out. And they, they just look like the specimen of, 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 of health. And, but they, they eat all the right foods. All of a sudden, you know, they, they're dead. But there's power in communion, man. And I've got a revelation of this, man. This is so, so powerful. And it's right here in front of us. And, and God has given it to the church. And we'll look at this later. But, but Paul said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. It's interesting because Paul wasn't one of the original disciples of Jesus. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Okay. Why didn't he learn this from Matthew or, or, or Mark or Luke? He got the revelation of communion. You know, when the Lord instituted communion, Paul wasn't there. He could have went, went and got this from John. John, teach me about communion. No, the Lord, it was so significant. The, the, the communion is so significant that, that the Lord saw to it that he gave this revelation to Paul directly. There must be something very important about it. Now, <laughs> when, I, when I got turned on to grace, see, I used to teach communion all wrong. See, because, because of wrong believing, I taught wrong. When you partake of the communion, it makes sure that you um, got all the sin out of your life. Now, okay, we're going to deal with some sacred cows here. It, it's based not it's not based, a lot of people's believing is based, is, is based on error because they don't have a revelation of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Understand that Jesus made one sacrifice for sins forever. All your sins, past, present, and future, were forgiven and dealt with on the cross. Jesus, the, the Bible says, He's coming back a second time not to deal with sin. Why? Because every sin was dealt with on the body of Jesus on the cross. He made one sacrifice for sins forever. 
that's where the past, per present, and future is because think about it. On the cross, all your sins were future. Unless you're 2,000 years old. He dealt with sins for all time for everybody. That is powerful. He took it all on himself. Jesus was punished. God didn't sweep sin under the rug. All the punishment of all of our sins for everybody who ever walked the earth and everybody who will walk the earth, he took all of their sins on one time, a one-time sacrifice on the cross. And the Bible says that we shouldn't even have a consciousness of sin. The Bible tells us that, like, you see, before, in the Old Testament, they offered the um, blood of bulls and goats and calves, and they said they could not, could not take away sin. He said if it could, wouldn't they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers, once they offered that sacrifice, would have no consciousness of sin. If it had worked. See, if the blood of, of animals would have worked to remove sin, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have to sacrifice anymore, and there would be no more uh, consciousness of sin. That's what Jesus did for us. When Jesus went to the cross, there were no more sacrifices after that because our sins have been removed. So we shouldn't even have sin on our radar. We should not be thinking about sin. But we've been taught, I used to teach it at communion, that you're supposed to examine yourself to make sure that you don't have sin in your life. First of all, you can't be perfect. God doesn't expect you to be perfect in order to receive communion. If that was the case, none of us would be receiving communion. We're not going to have it every Sunday. We're never going to have it. So it's not about being perfect. You don't have to be perfect to partake of communion. Because none of us are. We would all be disqualified. Okay. Now, I didn't teach that, but what I did teach was that make sure you don't have any sin in your life and ask the Lord to forgive you before you partake of communion. See, the Bible talks about partaking in an unworthy manner but many have misinterpreted that as saying that um, that, that okay if you're uh, unwor uh, unworthy means to to be to come with sin in your life okay and unworthiness as a result of sin okay but we don't need to ask the Lord to forgive us because he's already forgiven us. You know, as soon as you sin, it's forgiven. Because it was past tense forgiven. So we li live under a continual waterfall of forgiveness. So you sin, forgiven. Sin, forgiven. Sin, forgiven. So as we, per as we approach communion today, understand all your sins. All my sins have been washed away.
All of our sins have been forgiven. And you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. When God looks at you, he sees his son. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. It doesn't say when he that's unworthy. He who drinks unworthily will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. He's talking about an unworthy manner. Drinking in an unworthy manner would be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. He's talking about the manner in which you partake of communion. And, and they were not, these, these Corinthians were not partaking in a worthy manner. This is not talking about you being unworthy. And we'll talk about that in a second. All right? Now, let's look at this, uh, this next verse. But let a man, and here's what trips people up, but let a man examine himself. Now, in another place, and we'll look at this eventually, when Jesus, when Jesus refers to, when God refers to communion, he says, do this in remembrance of me. So why are we remembering our sins? And it doesn't say anything right here. And see, because we, we misinterpret and we have sometimes preconceived ideas based on what we think um, partaking unworthily means, or partaking in an unworthy manner, um, we, we, then we misinterpret other stuff like here, let a man examine himself. It never says, examine yourself to see whether or not sin is in your life. Wait till I tell you what this word examine means. Okay? Um, so let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So to help you understand this, we're going to go to Romans chapter 14. Now, I'm going to give you a little, just a little piece of historical background to help you understand this, okay? Um, it says, receive one who is weak in the faith. Now, um, and I'll talk about this in a second. Everybody say weak in the faith. But not to dispute, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one, there are people who were vegetarians, okay? There's nothing new. Back here in the Roman church, you had them. For one believes he may eat all things, like meat. I was at a Wagyu tasting last night, man. They had brought all kind of Wagyu beef out there, man. Praise God. It was good stuff. They, went, they had a Wagyu contest, man. Wagyu is like this Japanese beef, man. They had um, people that would ship their beef. I mean, there were people there from Australia, and people different parts of the world, and they, they sent it to Purdue University. They sent it frozen, and they judged the beef, and they talked about the marbling, all that stuff, man. We sat through, man, about a 45 minutes, them talking about, I said, man, when are we going to eat, man? It was some great information, man. They were talking, it was way over my head. They were talking about when you see the fat, when you see the fat in a piece of meat, I'll give you a little, little, little tidbit. 
And you see the fat. They said the wider it is, the better the, the beef. Wider. White. Okay. So that's just a little bit of tidbit. Just something I learned. But I was just like, okay, man, this is making me hungry, man. Let's eat, man. And then they brought the stuff out. I mean, people, man, just different samples and stuff, man, I ate. So I eat meat. Amen. But one, but but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Any anybody? I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands. I know Pastor Gary and Nita, they're vegetarians, and the Bible calls them weak. See, yeah. who he he was weak eats only vegetables. <laughs> Amen. I'm strong because I eat meat. So, no, uh, no, no. Let, I got to clear that up. I'm, I'm kidding about that. No. Um, Paul was presenting, now Paul is writing this letter to the church in Romans, the, the Roman church, who's a Gentile church. It's not a Jewish church. And, 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 um, and, and this has nothing to do with, contrary to what people believe, it, it's not uh, um, people that, that were uh, eating vegetables and, and, and so forth, uh, had nothing to do with the Jewish diet, because these aren't Jews. These are Gentiles. So Paul was writing this letter to address something that he heard about. And somebody told him about that, that there were uh, a couple of groups of people in this church that were referred to the weak, referred to as the weak and the strong. And the weak, they ate on only vegetables, okay? Because they believed that their relationship with God demands that they avoid eating meat. Okay? So, Paul was informed about these two groups called the weak and the strong. And the strong believe, man, that don't matter. That ain't got nothing to do with, with our relationship with God. And see, that's when, you know, when, when people say, well, God doesn't want you eating meat. Well, that's error. See? And so, but, but what, what Paul's point was, you say, what, what does this have to do with communion? Well, I'm, I'm going to share that with you in a minute. So, Paul was dealing, what, what he was dealing with is like, when you, you are free to the point where you know that it don't have nothing to do, to do with your relationship with God to eat meat, but don't allow your brother to stumble when you're eating meat in front of them and they believe that Eating meat affects you know, your relationship with God and that, that God don't want you eating meat. So it's not about what you're free to do. Just don't, don't do it if it's going to cause your brother to stumble. Like y'all having a good fellowship and you start eating meat and this guy thinks that, um, that, that his relationship with God demands that he abstain from meat. Y'all can't fellowship no more because he's tripping on you eating meat while you're sitting there. So that's what Paul is addressing. Now, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him. Even, even you that, that eat vegetables and, and think that, that, that your relationship with God, uh, that that has something to do with your relationship with God, that God's pleased with you when you eat, or, or is displeased with you when you eat meat. Don't don't judge him who eats. 
but God has received it. All right? Now, do you have faith? Verse 22, have it to yourself before God. Happy is the man who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Everybody say approves. Say it again. Say it one more time. All right. Now, let's go back to... First Corinthians chapter 11. But let a man examine himself. The same Greek word translated approved is the same in, in Romans that we just read, Romans 14, 22, is the same Greek word translated examine in First Corinthians 11. And the word in the Greek means to judge as good. So when you partake of communion, you judge yourself as good. You're not examining yourself to see whether sin is in your life. You're examining yourself in light of what Jesus did for you on the cross and know that you are the righteousness. You are good. You are all good. You're reflecting on what Jesus did for you on, on the cross and you're judging yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ. That's how we are to eat, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Thank you, Lord. Now, uh, let's, let's go back to, got a couple minutes left. Y'all getting some out of this? 1 Corinthians 11 again. Now, let's look at how they were partaking in an unworthy manner. Now, can you see here? that God does not want you focusing on sin at all when you approach the communion table. At all. Because your sins have been dealt with on the cross. He was talking about, and he explains the unworthy manner in which they were partaking. So let's not read anything into it. Let's see what the scripture actually says. He who eats and, eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning, not understanding. Discern means to see or understand. It's a judgment to himself. It's not God judging you. You bring your own judgment when you don't understand the Lord's body. And this is what this message is all about, understanding the power of communion. See, this Corinthian church, they were looking to, as communion as powerless, common. They were just taking it lightly, not understanding the significance and, and the power of communion, doing it just as a routine. And it's easy for you. Well, man, receiving communion every week, it, isn't it, can it be like a, like a ritual or a routine? Well, it could be. It could be if you partake in an unworthy manner, if you're just, just going through the motions. And you could do that whether it's once a week or once a month. Oh, it's once a month. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning 
the Lord's body. For this reason. For what reason? Watch this. Not understanding the Lord's body. For this reason. Not because you don't exercise. Not because you didn't eat right. Again, I'm not against those things. I don't, anybody eat right 100% of the time? And don't y'all over there look at Carla because she don't either. She had some chocolate last night. I, I brought some chocolate home to make her some hot chocolate. I got a machine, man. You can throw the sh- chocolate squares in there with the milk. And she couldn't even wait till I had the hot chocolate. She said, how many squares need to go in there? Because she wanted to eat the bar before I made the chocolate, hot chocolate. So you can have some chocolate. Thank you, Lord. Enjoy your life, man. If you want to eat it, eat it. Well, I, I'm, I like to be a vegetarian, me. Well, go ahead. I'm talking Louisiana talk. <laughs> I learned that one. It's Louisiana. So, no, if you want, if you want to just eat vegetables, that's fine. More steak for me. Not gonna bother me. Amen. Amen. I don't and I don't think you're weak. Huh? Go and enjoy your vegetables and potatoes and asparagus. Cauliflower. Lettuce. You know, your spinach. And I eat that stuff. But I'm gonna have some other stuff on my plate. You understand? Thank you, Lord. So where am I at? Okay, so for this reason, it means weak, it means sick, it means sleep. That's not talking about taking a nap. It's talking about dying. Not understanding the Lord's body is the reason that many are weak and sick among you. What does that mean? This is talking about the church. See, because what, what's happening is, like, you can exercise and, 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 and eat good, and, 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 you know, most of the time, you know, I mean, nobody eats good 100% of the time. But what happens if you start depending on that to keep you well, you, you're missing it. You, you're not to depend on that, okay? You depend on God for your healing. I exercise and eat good to feel better. But I I depend on the Lord for my healing. Again, I'm not talking about just eating crazy and stuff. If it was up to me, I would eat hamburgers and pizza every day and french fries every day. But I know that that's not wise. And allow the Lord to lead you in, in in your eating, whatever. Man, hamburger loaded, cheese, egg, everything. Somebody getting hungry? <laughs> well, see, that's what these folks, these folks come in there hungry. 
and they slam it. So when you gather for your meetings, it, it is not the Lord's Supper instituted by the Lord that you eat. Isn't that something? This is, this is them. This is from the Amplified, okay? Like, y'all not eating for the right reason or meeting for the right reason. For in eating, each one of you hurries to get his own supper first, not waiting for, for the poor, and one goes hungry while the other gets drunk. What? That's what Paul's like, what? Don't you got your own house to eat? And drink? Do, do, do you not? Have, have you no houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and, and mean to show contempt for it while you humiliate those who are poor, have no homes, and have brought no food? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, most certainly not. Most certainly I will not. Okay? So what was happening is they were coming and, just having a good old time, just eating as much as they can. They were ignoring the poor who who came with no food. They didn't have any, any. They were homeless and came with no food, and they didn't care nothing about them. In other words, they were in a situation where they treated communion, the Lord's Supper, as common. Didn't mean anything to them. They were powerless. Similar to when, um, anybody read the story about over there when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and the, and the Lord fed them with manna from heaven? You know what they said about it? I mean, God had mercy on them in the wilderness. And they were in the wilderness because of their own disobedience and, and, and not um, going into the promised land that the Lord had for them because of unbelief. And the scripture says in uh, Numbers 21, uh, verse Five. The Lord was gracious to them, fed them with manna from heaven. Isn't that something supernatural? But um, they began to speak against the God of Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. We hate this horrible manna. Without that manna, they would have starved, but they complained. I mean, but in the same way, you can treat you can treat communion just like oh yes, just a little piece of cracker. And, uh, I didn't growing up in the Baptist church. I didn't know the significance of it. They passed the little. I could still see the little silver plate with all the little crumbs in there. And as a kid, I wanted to get the biggest one I could find. And when I, when I gave my life to the Lord in the early 80s and I started going to a church in Indianapolis, uh, it's light of the world today, but it was second, second, second Christian church. Back in the day, Dr. Benjamin was the pastor, and um, God used him. He was very instrumental in me uh, giving my life to the Lord in, in the 80s. And they had communion. I don't know if they still do, but at that time, they had communion every week. 
But even then, I really didn't. I was just doing it because they did it. Don't fall into that. When, when we, we do this every week, I mean, I want you to see, I want you to know the significance of it. And there's power in it. Okay? Now, all right, we're going to go a little bit further. You got an hour extra sleep, so should be good. Thank you, Lord. Should be good and fresh. Let's go just a little bit further, a little bit, a little bit further. Okay. So partaking in an unworthy manner is the manner in which one partakes of communion. Okay. Hosea 4, 6 says that God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of lack of knowledge concerning communion can cause you to be destroyed. And, um, and so we, we want to help you have a, a good understanding of what communion is. Communion, listen to this, communion is a supernatural channel for health and wholeness to flow into your body. Protecting of communion in a worthy manner is um, understanding what Jesus did for you on the cross. Understanding that Jesus, and we'll look into this more, how he took not only our sin, but he took our sicknesses on the cross. And by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. Protecting of communion will cause your youth to be renewed like an eagle. Sometimes you don't realize how good, you know, y'all look good. You're going to look better the more you uh, partake of communion. Amen. Now, that person sitting next to you may not look as good as you, but, but there's hope for them as they partake of communion. Amen? All right. And, and, and I, I'm telling you, people, I mean, we were sitting next to people at the, uh, and we need to get out and, and let our light shine in front of people. Sometimes you take significant, uh, you take for granted how good you look. We were out with some people, they were about to almost fell out of their chair when they understood how old that, that we were. And age, nothing, nothing but numbers. But uh, we, did, we talked to them and, and, and they couldn't even believe it. They, I mean, they just kept looking, they wouldn't even let it go. They just, just kept looking at us. And there's no way. I don't talk about my age too much because Carla likes she, she put it on her shirt and everything. I don't, I don't, I'm not like that. I mean, I'm not ashamed of how old I am. I'm not making T-shirts with my, but Carla, was, she, she wanted everybody to know that she's, you know, 70. But, and she doesn't look, she doesn't even look that, you know, like at all, right? Let me clean that up, man. She's 58. Okay. And I, I want you to listen to this because I won't say this too, I won't say this too much. I am I'm about to say how old I will be. This month. I'm 61. You know. And, and people don't believe it. My man. That's my man. <laughs> All right. 
Oh, watch this. This is something the Lord showed me the other day. You know, it's impossible for you go back to the scripture. Talking about don't come to the communion table unworthy. It's impossible for you to do that. Why? See, it's impossible. This is what the Lord showed me. It's impossible for you to come and receive communion unworthy because of sin. It's impossible. Why? Because Jesus took them all. When you you approach communion, you don't need to look for your sin because you ain't got none. It's about doing this in remembrance. Like people been remembering everything except, except for what Jesus told them to remember. He said, do this in remembrance of me. We should be looking to the cross. We shouldn't even be looking at ourselves. We should be looking at Jesus and looking at ourselves in the light of Jesus and his finished work. The key to everything is keeping your eyes on Jesus. He do, the key to when, when, you, when you go on to, you know, as, as I teach, my, my voice got stronger. Okay, so, see, it's good because don't focus on yourself. Because, see, you can start focusing on, oh, you know, uh, look at me. I got a healing book. And, and, and here I'm dealing with sickness. So, so what? You got nothing to prove. See, when you understand grace, you have nothing to prove, nothing to hide, no shame. You just keep showing up, praise God. Keep looking at Jesus. When the drummer don't come, we keep looking at Jesus. We look at, look at what we don't have. Look at what we're lacking. Looking at lack of finances. Looking at lack of this. Look, keep looking at Jesus. And how does he look? Infuses strength. When he came to them walking on the water and the storms was, was beating up against that against the ship and the winds were raging, he come walking on the water. He said, be of good courage. He said, don't fear, I'm here. I am here. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's right there with you in the boat. He's in the middle of your, he's right in the middle of your storm. He is there with you all 100% of the time. Look at Jesus. Keep looking at him. Every head bowed his eyes. We're going to take communion.